broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. This week on Midtown Business Radio, I got to sit down with our friend Laura Hodson. She's the CEO and founder of Now Account, the merchant services company that gives business-to-business companies quick access to AR capital that's been aging past 30, 60, 90, 120 days or more in just three to five days. No credit check necessary. It's not factoring. It's not a loan. It's just like taking a credit card for slow-paying accounts. She brought with her Ferdinand Risco. He's the executive director of diversity and equal opportunity for MARTA, Atlanta's Mass Transit Authority. And we talked about how they support disadvantaged business enterprises like those owned by women, minorities, veterans, etc. We got to sit down also with president of Center Forward, one of those DBEs we're talking about, Heather Aladef. And coming up, she's going to talk about why it makes sense to not only support, but expand our mass transit opportunities. Check it out. It may not be for you per se. However, you that showed up to work somewhere else than where you live may have to go to the emergency room. And you may be relying on a team of nurses and doctors that were only able to get to that job because of MARTA. So it may not be about, are you going to take MARTA? But the things that happen in life of supplying people and getting people to jobs and everything. So the person that's saving your life may have relied on MARTA. And I think that was really evident a couple years back when they started talking about cutting the service hours and certainly in the morning. Right. Some of the most vocal proponents or of supporting keeping it with the extended hours were the hospitals because their first shift would have been impacted with it was going to be cutting off that time period for their first shift. So I think I wish we didn't focus so much on I won't and you won't and therefore we don't value it. It's part of a system. It's part of getting around. It's part of a city working. And somehow you do benefit from it. You may not see it directly, but you do. And so I think that that's important and valuable to understand transit as a resource for the city to operate and function, the region to, to function well. Keep listening. The full interview is coming up next. You're going to want to check it out. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Midtown Business Radio, freshly revived from some rescue breathing by my co-host today, Laura Hodson of Now Account. (laughs) Thanks for that. Happy to help. (laughs) Down on the floor, choking on tea before the show goes live. That's awesome. I'm really happy to have Laura back in the studio today. She's been on the show a couple of times talking about what they do with Now Account. And over there, their solution provides access to capital for companies in the B2B space who have some accounts receivable that may be aging a little bit longer than uh, than they would like and holding up their ability to grow or perhaps take bigger orders for their company. So thanks for taking some time to contribute to your expertise. But you brought along some folks with you today that we're going to be talking to. I'm looking forward to that. You want to introduce them to us? Sure. So um, I did bring along some guests because I think I have the greatest job in America because I get to meet the neatest people. So today I brought along Director Ferdinand Risco from MARTA. And Ferdinand oversees diversity and equal opportunity within MARTA, which is a huge area. So we're glad to have you with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having us. Absolutely. And we also have Heather Aladef. I never say your name right. Did I get it? That was perfect. I did. Yay. Heather is the president of Center Forward, and I've known Heather for many years. She's been in and around the transportation world in, in Atlanta for a long time. So glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I was talking to Ferdinand as we were sitting around before the show went on live today. I've long known about MARTA and the mass transit resources that we have in the city, obviously, with the trains and the buses and the various uh, means that someone can take mass transit around the city. 
language, but I never really thought about it in context to how it can support various elements of business and within that various demographics within the business community. So as it relates to diversity and supporting the disadvantaged business enterprises, that's a focus that you put some you know real effort into that I didn't realize was there. So can you talk about that just a little bit? More than just being a way to get around the city, you're actually putting some focus into particular business entities in the, in the community. Yes, we are. And what your audience may not know is that MARTA actually has an economic impact across the state of $2.6 billion. So with our small and disadvantaged business enterprise program is an opportunity uh, since we are the recipient of federal funds, it's an opportunity for us to ensure that our contract and procurement activities have a level playing field that all can participate. So we are very excited about our goal of 30% for the next three years. So all of our federally funded contracts will have participation goals. Depends on uh, each of the contracts, but uh, the authority's goal is 30%, and, and we're very excited about that. So when our listeners are hearing us talk about disadvantaged business enterprises and things like that, can you talk about what is a DBE, a WBE, MBE, those types of things? Because uh, they obviously are a component of our business community. Can you share what qualifies somebody as one of those types of enterprises and, and why we need to give them some focus? The federal definition requires that you be either socially or economically disadvantaged. And there are a few other qualifications for certification, but personal net worth of less than 1.3 $2 million. The owner of the company has to be at least 51% ownership and be the person who is socially or economically disadvantaged, as well as just wanting to do business with anyone who accepts federal funds across the state. As it relates to interfacing with MARTA, your disadvantaged business enterprises, how are we talking about the various ways that you support them? Because from what I understand, it's kind of when you're building a new project, for example, say a new station on the line might be one example. And I know our other guest here, Heather, has worked with MARTA in that capacity. Can you talk about some of the ways that those businesses would engage with MARTA and how you might support them? We begin with technical assistance to help through the certification process. And once uh, firms are certified, one of the ways we engage them is to ensure that they are aware of our opportunities. And we begin to push information to them about solicitations that are either on the horizon or in the planning stages. And as they come about, we also engage them during the pre-planning phase and pre-proposal conferences. Lots of ways for us to really interact with our DBE community and make sure that they are aware of opportunities that they may be interested in. Through the process, we have contract compliance arm in which we monitor contracts throughout to ensure that the participation is actually happening and if DBEs need any assistance along the way, we're there for them. And when you talk about certification process, mm-hmm. can you explain that a little bit? What kind of certification are we talking and who are they doing that with? MARTA is one of the two certifying agents. It is the Georgia Department of Transportation and MARTA. And we collectively are known as the GUCP, which is the Georgia Unified Certification Program. And as I discussed earlier, a few of the requirements, the ownership of the company, the personal net worth, as well as day-to-day control. If you are socially or economically disadvantaged and you have those other prerequisites, it is an opportunity for you to fill out an application. It can be found on either the GDOT website or the MARTA website, www. It's smarta.com, and that is under the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Program. But that process is the way in which we ensure that those who are socially and economically disadvantaged have an opportunity to take part, as well as to ensure that there's no fraud in the program. Ferdinand, can you explain what some of the categories of disadvantaged business owners might be? Because I think it's 
broader maybe than what we all would think. Absolutely. And MARTA either procures lots of goods and services, and for the goods that we procure, that would be our small business program. Same characteristics, same types of companies, but anything from pens, pencils, mop heads, it doesn't matter, paper, all of those commodities, widgets, lots of parts. We think of the trains, but we forget that you have to buy pens and pencils. Uh, That's right. You got to keep the place clean. There's there's a lot of things. That's the reason why it's, I think, useful to talk about that, because I'm sure there's some owners out there that don't realize that there's an opportunity that they could be doing business with you that fits right into their business. Plenty of commodities. And on the services side, as we procure various services, that could be architecture, engineering, lots of media relations. You know, we, we run the gamut. Anything that helps us to move people on buses and trains, we're looking for support. Our core business is to move the constituents of the metro area from point A to point B. And we need lots of strategic partners to help us do that. So we hear things like DBE, MB, there's minority business enterprise, there's women business enterprise, there's veteran mm-hmm. business enterprise. And I think there's also disabled veteran, right? There's a couple of different categories there. That's are there, correct. Are there others? There, there are uh, <laughs> quite a few to include the president's executive order. LGBT is mm-hmm. a recognized category as well. MARTA accepts the disadvantaged business enterprise. We are working towards supplier diversity to recognize those other categories, but currently we have a disadvantaged business enterprise program. It's interesting because I think a lot of us think of diversity in terms of who we hire in a Mm -hmm. company, but I think it's important to know that supplier diversity and supplier inclusion is becoming a more and more important part of the role companies and agencies see in their communities. Absolutely. And the authority, when we speak of diversity and inclusion, it is not only for our workforce, our ridership, but our our contracting and business opportunities as well. And it is much more than just race and gender. It is very thought, the varied perspective that we're looking to engage. What would you say are some of the challenges in trying to grow a more diverse supplier base or trying to work with a more diverse supplier base? It is actually the biggest problem is how do we get out to learn about the great companies that are out in our area. Mm-hmm. So we ask how do they find you, sure. but you have a hard time finding them. We, we do. We do. So as we have embarked upon our platform of compliance, education, and outreach, it's events like today that we are able to get out and talk to the public about our opportunities. We encourage them to not only visit our website, but if they'd like to uh, come and talk to us. There are lots of opportunities in MARTA. There's a, a link on our website for current opportunities and right under our quick links. We want that front and center so that folks know how to get there there and, and get there pretty quickly. We want you to know we're, right. we're open for business. So it's amazing. You opened with an astounding number in terms of economic development. MARTA's not, MARTA's creating jobs in more ways than we think, right? It's not, it's not only are you hiring employees, but you're helping those that might be more entrepreneurial minded create jobs as well. Absolutely. We employ over 4,500 employees, but the economic impact is through our purchasing and through the very good partnerships that we have with our vendor community to be able to really impact the economic development of the region. It's interesting. I actually just went through certification process Mm -hmm. as a woman-owned business. And it's funny because I've had other businesses before and I had never gone through the certification process. I don't know if I I thought it was going to be too onerous or too scary or I was just too busy or I didn't know what it was going to do for me. And so I'm only just now starting to realize the benefits that come with that and what I can bring 
to other women-owned businesses. And I know, Heather, you're certified as well. So what sort of led you to think through going through that certification? I would say that one of the more powerful messages about the DBE qualification or the certification is that it doesn't necessarily guarantee you work, but it certainly levels the playing field as far as people having a list of people to call upon, talk to. So it may at least guarantee that I have more direct route for marketing, if you will. And it's a very specific marketing. So people have a tendency to reach out to this list of certified firms and say, well, who's on here and and what services do y'all offer? And so I think in that regard, one of the most important things for a small company or even a company starting out is that you're in a large pond and there's a lot of bigger fish and just getting the attention to be able to speak up and share what you do and what your services can provide. It's a huge assistance. It's a huge opportunity to just get in dialogues and building those relationships alone. And I know that as one of those certified businesses that we're talking about, you've actually then been able to interface and do some work with MARTA. Yes, absolutely. I'm from here. I've, my passion is, is uh, city planning and, and making this region and city stronger. And to be able to work with people and partners, whether I was in the public sector or now in the private sector, is very rewarding. It's a lot of fun. And it is certainly, I would have to give kudos to the city of Atlanta and MARTA for always leading the way in this particular arena. Again, it's not necessarily guaranteeing work, but it certainly guarantees the opportunity to be at the table. And I think that that's a very important thing for the public to recognize, and and I'm grateful for that. As it relates to your work where you're doing transportation and land use development planning, talk about that. How did you get to that space? And then we can kind of expand on what exactly that means in terms of the types of things. Because we were talking a little Mm -hmm. bit before we came on today about some of the projects you've worked on and what an interesting process and challenging process that is. So can you rewind a little bit and share how did you get to where you are today with this firm that does just that? They help sure. transportation entities and other large corporations plan how they're going to grow or even move into a particular area. Cities evolve and develop, and I've been on the public sector side. And in the nature of the city planning projects, you tend to work with every discipline and every level of human being, if you will. And what I mean by that is You might work one hour with an engineer, the next hour with an architect, the next person with the cleaning department to understand their operational needs for accessing a station. It could be working with basically all levels of understanding of the topic and area. So you have to be able to communicate to all different types of people. But I think what's been powerful in my opportunities, and I have to be thankful for Georgia State University and having ability to get an undergraduate degree here in planning and economic development, and then in Georgia Tech as well, being in a state school was critical for my financial livelihood and I'm grateful for those opportunities but so between those the schooling here that is Georgia and Atlanta provided as well as the uh, the work experience I witnessed where everything starts breaking down in the process of, of city making whether it's from the neighborhood first conversation at a neighborhood meeting to the actual built project and users are starting to use it and then you hear the I can't believe this happened or what happened here or, or this is great whatever it is so watching that, I always kind of had an opportunity to see, wow, it's communication or it's this or, right. it's, or it's that. And, and so finding a niche of being able to translate, broker, help between those stages of the process, whether it's thinking through an issue or actually physically designing a solution, that's been where I found a niche. And a couple years back, a lot of the DBE firms, I would say the first wave of a lot of the small businesses were retiring, which is good. They've they've grown yeah. up and they've gone, or they didn't need that status anymore. So they became economically vile and weren't in that category, or they were bought out. So there was kind of a, a wave there that seemed to be a dip in the DBE available firms, at least for transportation planning. And so it felt like that was the ripe opportunity to go ahead and 
I'd been thinking about it for quite a while, and it seemed like this made sense. There's no, don't wait. It doesn't get easier. So just go ahead and jump <laughs> You're in. You're waiting jump for that in. perfect exactly. time. Huh? Now, yeah. yeah. One of the comments you made just now, is there a limit on how many can be certified at a given point in time? I don't know if it's a limit, but for example, if you're economically disadvantaged and then you make too much money, you don't qualify for the program uh, yeah, anymore. Yeah, right. So some firms have started off. Sort of graduate. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And everybody should be so lucky. But but basically, some people were retiring, some were getting bought out. The businesses, a lot of companies were changing their structures. So it kind of changed opportunities here. How'd you come up with the name Center Forward? Yes, I still play soccer and I love soccer. <laughs> and anybody that knows me knows that that is my number one hobby and passion. However, it did not start out seeking a soccer term, but when the center forward words fell out, it seemed that much more appropriate. Basically, I focus mainly in center areas, central areas, urban areas, complex areas, and I focus on implementation. Planning can be long range, 30 years out, and I tend to try to focus on how do we make implementable parts. So just that forward movement was what I went to. And then a center forward on a team, I feel like is the actual client. And so I'm feeding the ball to them. I'm setting up the play, but they're the ones scoring. And that's what planners are. We don't make the decisions, but we provide the information. Gotcha. We provide the analysis, and then they make a decision. From an educational perspective, is it is it engineering that you're learning when you're going through this type of a program? I found it intriguing yeah. when you described your role, for example, with the St. John's Hospital in yep. Tulsa and that process when they were in the middle of a very residential area, had been there forever, mm-hmm. houses grown up right around the, the yep. hospital. Um, and now we've got to grow. That means kind of like we went through here recently in the news with the the new Falcon Stadium for example there was there was churches there there was homes there that were clearly going to have to be moved and and, uh, and demolished and, and and you were there helping them with that process yeah. interfacing with the actual residents in the in the surrounding areas kind of helping them understand and negotiating along sure. the way so can you talk about that because it's an mm-hmm. interesting skill set that I'm sure you have to have yeah you can imagine multimodal issues are the root of all cities and urban areas no matter how small or large and so having different ways of traveling certainly hospitals you, you might have people walking in you might have people taking the bus in, you might have people driving. And then the community around it, having uh, some new development coming in, Tulsa had been a little, you know, hadn't had so much development pressure for the retail and commercial that was gaining. And so then the parking, quote unquote, parking demand was putting a pressure on getting surface lots, which then obviously has an impact on land value and other things. And so the root of everything always ends up somehow being related to transportation, I think. So understanding the technical issues, actually, I have not owned a car for 12 years. And the, I only say that because I really do understand what it's like to wait in the rain for the bus or wait to go up an escalator that's not working or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So understanding that nuance from a real user perspective is a very powerful opportunity because when somebody communicates to me and I understand the way that they're speaking about their fears or their concerns or their right. wishes... People only have certain words available to them in their vocabulary. So they may only use a word that they've heard, but it may not actually be what they're trying to convey. Yeah. So being able to kind of pull some layers down and understand their concern, and then also understanding the technical ways of, of solving that problem is really what it's about. So yes, there's engineering, but it's also systems thinking. Um, it's also being able to communicate in different ways, li- listening. So it's actually quite a lot of different skills, actually, as a planner. So it's more than just uh, an engineering phase, which is very critical, but that's where they get into the, it's this many inches wide and this many inches deep. We've been talking with president of Center Forward, a company that helps 
cities and other agencies out there do planning for growth, whether it's new transportation modes, as we mm-hmm. talked about, building and development, that type of thing, land use. Sharing some information about that, we've got also got Ferdinand Risco from MARTA and uh, Laura Hudson from Now Can We. The topic I find is very interesting here in terms of, one, how we're supporting disadvantaged business enterprises and, and so forth, but also talking about from the transportation perspective, what a, here in Atlanta, we're a beautiful example of mm-hmm. why we need more folks to get engaged with uh, Ferdinand and his crew at, uh, at MARTA for sure. And here we have a resident in the city who doesn't have to deal with the gridlock that uh, I get to deal with on a regular <laughs> basis. From a planning perspective, I, I can only imagine what, how challenging it is uh, when you say, well, we need more roads, so we got to lay a road down through here. Oh, geez, there's uh, 500 houses we got to deal with to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, from a planning perspective, that's that's got to be quite a challenge. And and how do you come in and do you give advice or or on on how to lay things out or how do how do you interface? What's right. your role in that process? Because there's not a great term for it, I kind of say broker a conversation or or a thought process. I never give the actual advice. My job as a planner is to gather information, analyze it, sort it, and communicate it back. So my approach with communities, whether it's recently worked with the Edgewood MARTA Station Transit-Oriented Development, or TOD, and that that's an amazing program that MARTA is really, really taking to the max now in really aggressive ways, positively aggressive, and that was working through what are the transportation impacts for cars, for bikes, for pets, for everybody, whether there's a development or not, and how does that work, and how does it interrelate. In other areas, I've done the same thing, but basically, you lay out scenario one, this is what could happen, and these are the pros and cons. Scenario two, this is what could happen, and these are the pros and cons, and scenario three, if you will. Most human beings are able to come to the logic when you lay out the information in a manner that they can understand. And they choose, the community, the citizens, the process chooses. Not, you know, I can have my personal opinion or professional advice opinion, but that's not the way I think that one gets to where you need to go, is you lay out the options and what that means for them. And most people are never told, if you get the roadway widening, you're going to have these things as a negative. Go ahead for the roadway widening, but know and understand these impacts. And most of the time, you're not told those other impacts. And so you think you're getting what you want, and then you end up in more traffic, and you go, why are we still here 60 years later with the same strategies and not getting anywhere? So it's more about showing pros and cons to every scenario. Transportation is a system. It's like the veins. You block one part, it'll infect another, yep. so forth. So if you're a physician, you understand those kinds of things. I play one on TV. So I'm, there I'm, you I'm, go. I'm Charles Hall, male nurse. There you go. So um. you, it's a system. And so there's, if you make tweaks, there's, there's um, going to be impacts. And understanding what those are is more important, I think, as far as valuable information. And people will come to the right conclusion. And when you talk about the transportation-oriented development, uh, clearly the city as a whole, uh, and even beyond the border of the perimeter, there, we're, we're trying to do more of that, where we're doing live, work, play kinds of situations. You can live within walking distance at a minimum of either a rail line or some sort of mass transit or your work I- itself. Mm-hmm. How does that come into play? I mean, is, the, is that kind of driven from developers themselves, think that this would be a great thing, people would really love it? Or is the city coming from that direction saying, hey, we want to do this, and they try to pull developers in who can execute that kind of a plan? How does the TOD go strategically? Well, from, from Marta's perspective, it is uh, an opportunity for us to really begin to cater to our ridership. We would like for them to live, work, and play and have accessibility to transit. So that's how we begin our program. And how do we take the real estate that we own, bring developers to the table so that our ridership is as 
more opportunities to not only ride, but to live, work, and play. As it relates to the mass transit that we have available, I know that obviously downtown we've now got uh, the trolley. Uh, streetcar. Streetcar. Streetcar, rather, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is kind of adding to the mass transportation options that we have available. What do you find as a common thread as to why folks wouldn't want that? It would seem that that sort of process would be a, a great thing in terms of a city like ours that we have such a heavy, heavy volume of riders in vehicles, clearly. I mean, it's everywhere you go. And so what's the process like as it involves educating people on, you know, things like we talked mm-hmm. about, the TOD and the value of, of bringing that in so that typically fears of something that's probably misguided and um, not being able to see the value in terms of decreased trip times, things like that. What's the process of education like? I'm happy to give an example. I believe that every real city that's going to survive in the future or continue to maintain, however, has to provide as many options for its its folks to get around and, and to get to their jobs and get to the doctor and do all the things and play sports and things like that. I think the thing that we don't talk about in the Atlanta region is it may not be for you per se. However, you that showed up to work somewhere else than where you live may have to go to the emergency room and you may be relying on a team of nurses and doctors that were only able to get to that job because of MARTA. So it may not be about are you going to take MARTA, but the things that happen in life of supplying people and getting people to jobs and everything. So the person that's saving your life may have relied on MARTA. And I think that was really evident a couple years back when they started talking about cutting the service hours and certainly in the morning. Right. Some of the most vocal proponents or of supporting keeping it with the extended hours were the hospitals because their first shift would have been impacted with it was going to be cutting off that time period for their first shift. So I think I wish we didn't focus so much on I won't and you won't and therefore we don't value it. It's part of a system. It's part of getting around. It's part of a city working. And somehow you do benefit from it. You may not see it directly, but you do. And so I think that that's important and valuable to understand transit as a resource for the city to operate and function, the region to to function well. And and, and that's the reason why I would even bring that up. Because, I mean, obviously, as we would talk about that kind of a topic, do we expand our mass transit options here in in the greater Atlanta metro area? It's not to wax political because we don't go down those roads. But I think that the the, the comment that you made and you as as a citizen here in Atlanta who doesn't even own a car, um, you illustrate the fact that there are key players in our city. You talk about the, the health care providers, for example, that mm-hmm. utilize those resources. So if we expand them uh, strategically, then we, we're probably greatly helping our city in ways we don't necessarily think about. And that's why I would think that it would be worth mentioning something like that. But if you look at where our hospitals located, in, in our city mm-hmm. in particular, most of them are very near mass transit. And um, and so that would be the reason why I would be talking about such a topic yeah. is, is um, you know, it is a kind of an underpinning of our conversation today, the, the mass transportation in our city. And we were, you know, been focusing on how it relates to the disadvantaged business enterprise. But right. as a city as a whole, uh, it has benefits. So I thought it was worth mentioning and, and yeah. being a planner who deals sure. with that very element yeah. and a pushback on a hospital. Right. We were talking earlier yeah. about yeah. a hospital that needed to grow. And there were people actually saying, no, 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 yeah, yeah, I don't want to exactly. do that. So yeah, having someone like I mean, yourself... businesses can, have uh, trucks to deliver goods and services, and people don't like to drive next to trucks on the highway, but it's part of need the your goods business. And services. Yeah, so, I mean, we recognize in the business economy that there are things that make your business happen. And you may not like all of it, but we need it. And so... Um, I may not like the 18-wheelers, but they need to be there, and they need to get the stuff that I can buy. So 
get the pencils to Marta delivered. Right. <laughs> I, heard, right. I heard an interesting story one time about human behavior, and we tend to fear what we don't know, yeah. right? Um, and so they told a story about, you know, a, a neighborhood that had a, a grocery store right there by the houses. And when they were first going to build it, everybody fought it. They didn't want it. But then once it was there, 10 years later, they discussed moving it and everybody fought that too, right? Like once it was there, they didn't want to give it up. And, you know, Heather, as you know, I think once you live near these types of services, whether it's your MARTA station, hospital, et cetera, um, you couldn't imagine life without them there because it makes right. our community yeah. so rich. Sure. Well, you know, and it adds a component of economic development. Businesses, um, you know, kind of kind of congregate into that area. People are going to be high traffic going to such a resource. And so what a great place to put your business that relies a lot on walk-in traffic. Right. So I'm curious, you know, um, Ferdinand, you mentioned initially that one of the greatest challenges is, is finding these, you know, quality businesses that, yes. that can deliver goods and services for MARTA. And, and Heather, you mentioned sort of the other side of the coin, that as a disadvantaged business, um, had you not been certified, it would have been difficult to even know about the opportunities mm -hmm. that are out there. Um, so what are some of the ways that we, that we start to bridge that? You know, what are, what are the challenges? Once we know about the opportunities, how do we, how do we help the, the smaller businesses grow and, and deliver quality goods and services? That, that's one of the things that we're focused on uh, this year at MARTA is how do we uh, begin to, um, to really reach out uh, and with an aggressive uh, outreach campaign uh, events that we host uh, internally, uh, how do we, uh, you know, come to talk on business radio, how do we get the word out, uh, our strategic partnerships with uh, the NOW account or the United States Small Business Administration, uh, GMSDC, you know, the whole uh, gamut of resources that are out there that we engage uh, those entities so that we can also engage their constituencies right. uh, and bring them to bear so that they know and understand that, uh, we're ready. Uh, we want them to be certified. And through that certification process, we believe that that provides additional opportunity and access. Yep. Well, and I, I personally have experienced two events in the last couple of months. One, when MARTA announced their partnership with SBA. Um, and the other one, we launched the, the NOW account uh, revenue accelerator program. And in both cases, it was your entire atrium was packed, mm -hmm. yes. right? So, I mean, even for people who may be a little intimidated because they don't know what the opportunities are, I would encourage people to come to these events because you get so much information and you meet other people that are already doing work that can give you advice, you know, how they got their first project or Absolutely. how they bid on a project. Um, you know, sometimes we're afraid of what we don't know. So um, those are great examples of ways you can get information. You know, it's like you said, not only is it uh, the information for the program, but it is really the networking, mm -hmm. the prime contractors in the room, your fellow subcontractors in the room. Uh, and it is a great space of like-minded individuals who are either there for a particular program or solicitation uh, in mm -hmm. some cases where uh, those are the folks that are interested in, in to be able to do some teaming and joint venturing and uh, or networking, uh, we think is very important. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting, you mentioned subcontractors versus primes. Mm -hmm. Do you want to say sure. a little bit about what that is? Because everyone mm -hmm. might not know. <laughs> sure. Uh, the prime contractor is the uh, entity in which MARTA has the direct contractual relationship with. Subcontractors would be anyone who would assist them in providing those goods or services uh, 
to the authority. Uh, so we have multiple tiers of, of subcontractors, tier one, tier two. So anyone who hires someone to help them uh, would be a subcontractor, and depending on who uh, brought you to the team would depend on mm-hmm. you know what tier you fall in. Uh, but there are lots of opportunities uh, for our very large companies in, in our vendor database and our vendor community. Uh, they do lots of work, and as we continue to aggressively pursue our 30% participation goal, uh, we will be uh, aggressively uh, going after uh, those subcontractors to bring them uh, to the table to assist our primes right. in, in delivering. And so, Heather, have you been a subcontractor mm-hmm. as well? Because that's also a way to grow your education, right, and then learn about other opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think um, that nuance of a prime and subcontractor is one of the most important things for DBE firms and um, kind of hints to what I was saying before. I may not get the work but it's often the prime that's looking around for the DBE in this case because there's a goal of 30%. Right. They're going to have an aggressive effort in the beginning to find firms that qualify in that DBE category. And they're going to call around and connect with um, DBE firms to seek them to help with their team. And um, that's exactly why that program and that goal is such a tremendous um, value to DBE firms. Um, the uh, And I do have to say the the... the the interesting thing that now account solves also in probably one of the most addition, I would say the goals and those percentages are one of the most powerful ways. And then the second most powerful way is the flow of funding. And, and so as a DBE firm, if you're the prime, the prime in transportation world, you reimburse for it. So the federal government says you do the work, you send in the bill and then they will reimburse for that work. Well, the prime is the one that sends in the bill after you've done (laughs) the work and then it gets uh, put to the prime, and then the sub submits to the prime to get paid. And in the, nat- the natural course of that, especially if you're a prime firm, you may not need that invoice the first 30 days, right? But um, as a sub, I would say right now that one of the most powerful ways to enable DBE firms to grow is um, handling that issue of just the flow, that when the funding comes in. I have guaranteed contracts. I have de- guaranteed money coming, but it's there's no guaranteed timing of that. Right. Hard to, buy your to gro- hard to buy your groceries with money that's with guaranteed to come, due. but it's not yeah, there right. yet. Yeah. So yeah. if something's five months late, that's not late. That's just the way the process is. Yes. But um, And then I have subcontractors, and I have to pay them. So it's a. I think the now account solution is um, – I'm not sure if people understand or comprehend how powerful that is in helping the DBE community. I think that that's true, and I believe that in a, in a – you know, arena like we're talking about here where someone has the ability to do business with the, the mass transit authority here in the city and to, to get into a project like what we're talking about where you're going to subcontract with, you know, these major firms, I'm sure that there's a lot of trepidation and probably with, with some good reason because I'm sure that it's kind of standard practice that you're probably going to get paid somewhere 45, 60, sometimes longer, um, just based on the, the situation as you described it. Uh, those people are waiting for funds that have not mm-hmm. come yet. So uh, being able to step in and grow your business by participating in a project like this that could clearly have some big financial ramifications on your business and be able to do it confidently because you're, there's a resource now that allows you to more or less take the equivalent of taking a credit card, if you will, to do mm-hmm. that business. So you have access to those funds right away. You don't have to get... Yes, my biggest fear of trying to expand is needing uh, additional assistance to take on more uh, team members, employees, or subcontractors. 
And, and if, if I can't know that I can pay them on time regularly, I'm not going to bring them on. So that, that flow issue is a really, really, really big deal on just what your daily operations, but also your growth of your company and the ability to grow. So um, I think with those two bookends of the percentage and the goal being high enough to really warrant serious consideration of different DBE firms and then having um, a way to manage that flow is, is just, I'm really excited. And I think, I think these two efforts that we're talking about today, plus the media allowing this information to be shared out there is, is really powerful. And the timing is really critical because the economies and the jobs and the skill sets are really all about the different nuances, the things that people have learned, the younger ways of thinking that, you know, it's all of these new things that these programs are going to take, you know, leverage that. And I think the timing is really, really tremendous. Right. And I think it's important you mentioned, you know, as a small business owner, growth means bringing on more help. Exactly. And there's nothing more stressful that you lose sleep over than, oh my gosh, if I hire that person, what if Have I don't I get payroll. paid in time? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you lose hours and hours of sleep over that. And, and that's really... Hence the insomnia. Hence the mm. insomnia, yes. <laughs> oh, um, that was it. the name of a uh -huh. former company yeah. of mine. I've progressed from insomnia to now account. I've solved my insomnia. Um, but that really was what caused us to start mm -hmm. now account is I would listen to small business owners say, I turned down that job yeah. or I didn't mm -hmm. bid on that project. And I would think, why? You had a you company know, of your own that, that I, went through the I same did. thing. I um, did. My problem is I did take the project. Uh. <laughs> you know, there's two types of entrepreneurs. Those that say, <laughs> I'm afraid I won't get paid. I won't take it, which seems a shame because you provide such a great service and yet you can't take the project. And then there's those of us that say, oh, take it and we'll figure it out later, which is what we did. Um, and then you lose sleep when you're trying to figure it out later. Um, but that's what caused us to start now account was that, you know, we didn't want small businesses to feel like in order to fulfill their projects, they had to go get loans or they had to give up half their company and sell equity. Mm -hmm. They just needed their own money. And, you know, we just thought there had to be a better way. We actually just got our updated stats. Um, we work with the state of Georgia through the Department of Community Affairs to track the number of jobs that we help retain or create. And in the three years that we've been doing this, we have created or retained over 1,400 jobs in Georgia. How cool is that? Just in Georgia. And you know what? I told someone the other day, that's not a number. That's, that's 1,400 families, yeah. families yeah. that have the lifestyle that, that they want to have. And, um, and we don't take that lightly. So um, it's amazing. But we couldn't do it without partners like MARTA mm -hmm. um, that help us get that awareness into the hands of, of the small businesses to say, look, we can give you the contract and here's how you can get paid so that everyone accomplishes. We get our 30%, we get paid, we hire more people, mm -hmm. and it creates a positive cycle, not a negative cycle. And Ferdinand, you were talking earlier about the fact that you have partnerships with GMSDC and uh, Small Business Administration. Can you expand on that? Because obviously Georgia Minority Suppliers Development Council, I mean, clearly that's a big focus for them, um, helping organizations that fit into what we were just describing right. earlier at the, at the onset of the show. Um, so can you talk about your interaction with those two agencies and, and how you collaborate and what it means for the, the folks that fit into this space? And, and we're lucky here in Atlanta to have Cassius Butts. And, yes. mm -hmm. you know, we have a very innovative group right. down here in the southeast. Yes, uh, Administrator Butts and uh, our general manager, Mr. Keith T. Parker, uh, signed a strategic alliance memorandum uh, just uh, at the beginning of the month. 
And that is a, a great partnership for us to be able to not only pool resources, uh, but to provide another avenue for small businesses who may not be ready to do business with MARTA uh, or one of the larger firms. And But how do we get them the resources that they need to grow and be prepared uh, and get on track and continue their development? Uh, so it is uh, a great partnership. We're excited. Uh, we're going to roll out to a few things I can't tell you just yet, but uh, we're, we're very excited about that partnership. Uh, GMSDC, uh, we entered into a strategic partnership to just a, a year, uh, wow, it's actually been two years ago, uh, and that is centered on the uh, Mentor-Protege Connection Program, in which uh, we took one of our prime contractors and had them mentor two of our DBE firms uh, for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we began to develop and grow uh, two businesses. Uh, well, they had an opportunity to, to deal with their top three pain points and, and really grow as a company. Um, for the prime contractor, it was a, a reminder of what it's like uh, to, you know, have a small business. And, you know, days when you weren't so uh, gargantuan and large, uh, when you really had to, uh, you know, be mindful of every pen, pencil, and, and paperclip. Uh, so those two uh, partnerships have allowed MARTA to continue uh, to grow the small and disadvantaged business enterprise community uh, so that not only are they prepared to do business with MARTA, but to do business in the region. And we are a firm believer that a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we can do our share uh, as a part of the community to help uh, these businesses, we think that that is just um, better for the entire region. So, yep. one, so one way to find them is to help grow them. Yes. So you're, yes. And, and, and you're right. I mean, um, GMSDC and others have these great educational mm-hmm. programs that um, you can avail yourselves of. Yes. So you're helping Absolutely. build the, the population. The list of courses uh, at GMSDC and SBA are, are phenomenal. We will continue to work with them to deliver some of those uh, at our headquarters, uh, uh, as well as continue to send um, participants in our vendor pool uh, to those programs as well. But it's been great. So if you have a if you have a, a DBE um, and you mentioned if you're looking to get certified, you can get the information and the forms even at the MARTA website. Absolutely. Can you also go through the MARTA website to find out the types of projects that you're looking for help on? Can you absolutely apply for those projects? How does that process work? Absolutely. So to do business with MARTA, you must first become a vendor, and that is a process that takes literally about three and a half minutes. Mm. Uh, so that is a self-certification process, and you let us know that you would like to do business with us. Uh, but on that same uh, page on our website are all of our current opportunities, uh, and they are all listed. Uh, we do a advertisement uh, weekly, so those are updated constantly. Uh, and I would uh, you know, just tell your audience that uh, don't be fooled by the title. You know, Really look at the details of each of those solicitations. Mm-hmm. As while it may say um, door refurbishments, uh, there could be a campaign to inform the public or inform our employees about what's going on. And there's a piece of, uh, you know, if you have a marketing company. Hmm. So there's lots of opportunities that are, are very buried in mm-hmm. some of those solicitations. So uh, be mindful of that and, and really dig into the details and you may find uh, 
that nugget of uh, opportunity. Have to have ha- hashtags for. and keywords now. <laughs> That's right. I know. Yes. I know. Yeah. And if, and if you're lucky enough to, um, to be growing your business, you yeah. can also go to marta.nowaccount.com, and that's, you can access the, the capital mm-hmm. tool as well. So, you know, Marta's doing a great job, I think, of reaching out to all the different types of resources in the community and trying to kind of create an umbrella. Because as a small business owner, you're a little bit lost. There's just so many places people send you to go, and you're not really sure. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to kind of start to put that umbrella around it so that you can look at the whole menu while you're there and, and not get lost. It's like being a freshman in high school. That's right. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about... Minus the hazing <laughs> and the <laughs> embarrassing things and stuff, right? The, the GMSDC show, Let's Talk Small Business, actually is just ahead of this one on Tuesdays. And our topic today, we were revisiting the topic of business capital and different sources, whether it was from investing and crowdfunding and different uh, options that uh, that you might find through the Opportunity Hub, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, the, the CFO from Now Account was on talking about your solution. And when you navigate to a website like you're talking about and you find yourself on the landing page, what kind of information can you find there? Because I think that a lot of people, as it relates to getting capital on that side of this, of this discussion, um, they have probably a lot of misperceptions about right. the options out there. So what can, what exactly, if I do take the time to, to right. navigate to the to that landing page that you talked about, what am I going to find there? Well, I think before you even go to the landing page, you have to look in the mirror and give yourself permission to not understand everything about finance. I see more small businesses feel embarrassed or apologetic. I should have known. Especially you women. Know, why don't I understand that? I think especially women. Oh, yes. Um, but, but I think people sort of, um, psych themselves out. I mean, they, they sort of lose confidence because it's an area they don't know well. And I always tell people, give yourself permission to not be an expert because I've yet to meet a small business owner who started their business because they have a passion for accounting and finance, (laughs) unless you start a CPA firm, in which case I hope you like accounting. (laughs) But, but for most of us, we started our business because like Heather, she has a passion for planning and for building healthier communities. Um, most people, that's not an area, it's a necessary evil. So before you go to the website, look in the mirror, give yourself permission to not be an expert on finance. It's not that scary. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you go to the website, marta.nowaccount.com, what you'll see is you'll see testimonials. You'll see videos of other people that have tried different things and how they've used it. Um, some people use now account to take on larger contracts. Others use now account because it gives them that extra cash to maybe in their supply chain, buy raw materials and get a discount, you know, get some purchasing power. So there's a lot of different ways to use it. And what I find is if you just go to the site, there's no better way to understand something than to see who else has used it before. And chances are you'll find someone that looks a lot like you. Maybe they do a service or maybe they sell a product. Um, there's also obviously contact information if you have questions. Um, there's a video of me talking about sort of my own story. And I'm, I'm not a banker. I personally was always afraid of finance. It was the one class that I feared the most when I was in business school. But I had this problem. I lived it. I watched my business grow to death and it's painful. And I never want anyone else to feel that way again. So go there, get some information. If you have questions, call. We're more than happy to, to help. But at the end of the day, the what I think is the best thing about NowAccount is that it's not debt. It's not a loan. There's no liability yeah. on your balance sheet. It's just your revenue faster. And, that, and I'm glad you said that because I think that that's one of the reasons why I asked my loaded question about why go there and what am I going to learn. Because I was afraid of loans. Because I think that time. that's what people probably, 
more often than not, when I talk about this solution, is they, they think it's they they either think it's factoring or some kind of a loan, something like that. But from what I understand, being able to determine is my business able to use this solution is as simple as sort of like uh, what it Ferdinand is. described in terms of being able to identify, you know, and start the certification process. Sure. It's very simple, very minimal information you got to enter. All Same you, thing there. You absolutely. don't have to go through the big, long credit. It takes uh, a couple minutes. All you share with us is the business name, the business address, the state that you're organized in, um, the year you were organized and the type of entity that you are, whether you're an LLC or a C-Corp, et cetera. That's all that you're sharing with us. We're not looking at your personal financials. We're not looking at your personal credit. Um, it really is just looking at, is the business established in Georgia and have you established a history of behaving appropriately? Um, and if you do, then it's, it's a tool that you can add to all the other tools. You know, you might have a line of credit. Fantastic. If you have one of those, you're lucky. Um, you might have other relationships, and, and we think that's great. We just want to add one more tool to help you grow. And that was one of the other things that we talked about on the show ahead of this one on Let's Talk Small Business was for the small business community in particular, even if they are a B2B, that one of the things that uh, I know that you all encounter from time to time is the small business owner who hasn't yet transitioned their business over to business financing, meaning credit is in the business's name, different things like that that will help them establish that this is a business entity. Now they can begin to have scoring and things like that. So there's some some advice or at least feedback you can give those companies if they do reach out and say, hey, can I qualify for this solution? Um, That's kind of what you're talking about when you you say, this is what you need to do, um, is establish the business officially as a business. We run into so many businesses that start their business um, using things like personal credit cards, home equity lines, mm-hmm. um, and entrepreneurs are scrappy. I mean, we'll, we'll get it done. <laughs> That's not the problem. Um, but I always wince a little bit when I hear that people have started and run their business on their personal credit um, because the business is separate from you, even if your name is the business, and it needs to have a life of its own. It needs to stand on its own because, heaven forbid, something happen in your business life, which may or may not even be you know, anything you did. It could be the economy, mm. um, and that that would impact your personal livelihood, right, your family and your home mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Or, heaven forbid, something happen on the personal side. Um, that was unforeseen that could then impact your business. And now all of your employees are at risk as well. So, you know, we always tell people really think about how you start your business and make sure that you establish strong business credit, because that's important when you go to work for someone like Marta. And that's the reason why I mentioned that is because not only will it tie in to have suppliers that don't have strong credit. Um, it, it may not just affect my ability to take advantage of a solution like yeah. what now account offers, but then also on the other side, when it comes time to say, hey, I'm a, I'm a disadvantaged uh, business uh, enterprise, and I would like to work with Marta as an Absolutely. example, then that could also come into play there. It, it does. And again, uh, as we begin to bring these partnerships and resources to bear, uh, we want to provide those resources and, and opportunities. If it's the now account or we have a bonding education uh, program that we've partnered with uh, the Greater Atlanta Economic Alliance. Oh, that's great. Uh, there's, there's lots mm-hmm. of uh, tools, and we want to make sure that, that the DBE yep. community avails themselves of them. But you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, those would be some of the reasons why you would not be prepared to do business uh, with Marta or, or any other firm if you're 
finances are not uh, in order or your your business structure is not sound. Uh, so SBA, you know, teaches. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yep. Getting yep. linked they, up with their mentors sure. over there. Uh, Those GMS are free. DC, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it, it is, you know, MARTA feels it's our responsibility to, to help. Uh, and we want to make sure that uh, we are caring for uh, the small and disadvantaged business enterprise uh, community uh, so that they are most prepared uh, to do business. Yep. Well, and you mentioned, you know, bonding. Again, that's one of those scary terms yes. that not everybody <laughs> understands. But I think if you acknowledge the fact that a healthy, growing small business should access lots of different tools over the course of their evolution, there's no silver bullet. There's no one, you know, it's not that if you can finally figure out the bonding that that solves everything. It's not that if you can get a line of credit, that solves everything. Now account doesn't solve everything. You might need to buy equipment or, you know, build a warehouse. Um, so there's, there's lots of elements and I think if you just have that mindset of curiosity that says, I want to learn, and some of those may make sense for me today, and some of them may not, but at least I know about them because they may make sense for me tomorrow. The more tools you can use, you know, the, the lower risk your business is, the Absolutely. more the chance you have to grow. Well, clearly, you know, as, as I've gotten to meet some of the organizations that are here in the city that are supporting the, the growing um, startup community that we have here, uh, it's thriving, I think, actually. Um, so it is getting easier and easier to start a business in Atlanta. And clearly there's resources like what we've been describing here today. If you're a, a disadvantaged business enterprise, uh, whether you're female-owned, minority-owned, um, veteran or disabled veteran-owned, um, any of those kind of categories of folks that are trying to start a business, clearly there's some help that's out here for you. Much of it is free. Um, if you only make yourself available and and take the time to to you know go on like either the MARTA website, the Small Business Administration website, um, and others out there that that are here, GMSDC as another example that that you can go and get some great information that's free to you. Before we run out of time, and the hour always goes by so quickly, um, any final thoughts from from each of you before we have to jump off today? Make sure we um, get uh, website and social media information too, so folks can link up with you there. Sure. For, for MARTA, it's very easy. Uh, it's MARTA.com is our website. Uh, in the upper left-hand corner is uh, current opportunities and a quick link for our vendors. If you have uh, any questions, please do not hesitate to give us a call. Uh, we are very excited. If you are able, uh, please certify as a disadvantaged business enterprise. Uh, and that, uh, with that, we'd like to thank you for having us today. And now you're a, you're a veteran yourself, and uh, you've been around mass transit for, gosh, what, 20 going 30 years close to 20 plus anyway I, i'm not sure if i'm going to put a number on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes uh, we've been in the, the business for quite a while we love the industry yeah how about you heather uh the website is centerforward.com and the four is using a number so it's center number four w-a-r-d.com was okay. your number four in soccer no it was not okay uh, <laughs> that was going to be no. so clever <laughs> <laughs> And that's um, me. A, that's me. A oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> and I think if I had, you know, any parting words from from now account, I, I agree with you. I think the startup community is thriving here. I think it's probably never been easier to start a business, but it's probably never been harder to scale a business. Right. And yeah. so once you get started and you hit that first, oh, my gosh, how do I scale? How do I get that bigger contract, et cetera? Don't give up. Right. That's the hard part. 
But as you said, there's so many resources to help small businesses make that step function and, and get larger and larger if that's what you want for your business. Um, and of course, you can reach us at marta.nowaccount.com. Well, thanks for taking time again to join us on the show, Laura. Every time you come, you, you share some uh, great information that will help the folks here in our city uh, and, and beyond, actually, since we've been broadcast now in over 50 countries. There's businesses out there abroad and, and around the country that can link up with resources like what you're talking about here, and clearly with the Small Business Administration, and I'm sure some of the mass transit uh, authorities around the community are probably doing some similar efforts. But to my guests, thank you, Heather thank you for and Ferdinand, for thank taking you. some time. I know you're very busy people. So making some time to share your information, talk a little bit about your story is very much appreciated. Thanks for providing the outlet too. Well, it's been, I tell you, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm getting like a minor MBA getting to talk to all these people <laughs> about all these cool different things. I mean, it's kind of blown my mind really about all the different things that are happening and getting to meet some of the entrepreneurs that I've gotten to. It's been a, a real treat for me. I get to have one of the better jobs in the world doing this. So for all of our folks that have taken the time to make Midtown Business Radio part of your day, thank you very much from wherever you're listening. We really appreciate you. If you are sitting out there and you think of a business, to come, a, a business in your community that is a B2B around here that uh, could benefit from coming on talking about what they're doing, I'd love to introduce their solution to uh, the rest of the businesses that could benefit from knowing them. So please reach out either through Facebook or Twitter at Midtown BRX and let us know, hey, you should have so-and-so on. They're an awesome company. We'd love to get to know them. And uh, once again, we'll uh, make sure we see you all in the same time same place next week.